The materials on this podcast are for informational and entertainment purposes only and are not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional. Welcome to the Love Approach Project podcast. This is your host, Laura Gutierrez. And I want to welcome you to our second season together. During this season, you will get to listen to the interviews from my recent summit, Love in Times of Uncertainty, in which we focused on bringing you empowering resources, wisdom and tips that you can start using in your day-to-day -day life, and especially when you're going through challenging times. It is my intention that the 12 interviews from this second season support you and empower you in living the life that you deserve. Enjoy! Welcome everyone to Love in Times of Uncertainty Virtual Summit. This is your host, Laura Gutierrez. And for this interview, we are going to be chatting at someone very, very interesting about the, how to manage uncertainty in kids during the current situation. And so my guest for this interview is Kathy Weiber. And Kathy is a credential professional parent coach. She's also the founder of Mindset to Inspire for Educators and of Happy Parenting for Parents. She runs online workshops and personalized one-to-one -one coaching programs to help parents and educators navigate the challenging behaviors of their children in their care while retaining the uniqueness of the child and meeting their own needs. So welcome, Kathy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lara. I'm so pleased to be here. It's exciting. It's great. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here again and to have the opportunity of interviewing you again, of chatting again. Like last time we talked about a huge topic, shame. <laughs> we did, yes. <laughs> yes. And that was and, and such a great response. Oh. It, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yes. And actually, for those who are watching or listening to this interview, please head to the podcast and look for the, the podcast in which the episode in which um, Kathy and I chatted about shame. Okay, well, Kathy, fantastic. Let's begin because this topic is very relevant nowadays, you know, um, due to obviously the uncertainty, the challenges, uh, parents and children have had to go through massive changes nowadays. So, but before we start with that, some people might not know who you are and what your, sto your story is. So I would love if you could share a little bit of that with us. Thank you. So I'm, I've been an educator for 30 plus years and I'm a mum to four now grown children who still talk to me <laughs> and are functional. They're, they're living their life and, and very happy. And they, they're really good friends themselves as well. And I, during my education time, I have worked with so many children that have had difficult behaviours. Mm -hmm. And I, I think what really started me on my journey to coaching and wanting to help the adults who surround children is that I noticed one particular child and... This little boy used to come to me all the time. I'd teach a librarian and so he'd come into the library all excited and he just loved learning. He was so curious and he was just a joy to be around. Difficult to teach and challenging to parent. 
And over the years, I think it was, I think it was two years. And after two years, I noticed he had changed. He had lost that desire to learn. And it wasn't from the fault of the adults who were around him. It was that he was difficult and he had challenging behaviours. And there was so much misinformation. They didn't have the parents and the, and the teachers around this little boy didn't have the skills to or the knowledge to know how to manage his behaviour. And the system, unfortunately, let him down. And it, it, just, it just broke my heart. And that's when I realised, although I love, adore working with children and I do work with children over the age of 10 around their mindset, I knew I, that, that parents and teachers, they were sad for this too. They didn't want this to happen, but there was no, they couldn't find a way forward to, let, to help this child grow into his potential, even though he had challenging behaviours. And that, that was, that's what really started me on this journey of, of wanting to help the adults who surround children. Yeah, what a beautiful service, uh, Cathy, because we don't really talk about that, you know, only when I met you actually when, was when I started to think a little bit more about how important it is for parents to have the tools to be able to accompany their children in their own challenges and themselves, right? Because parents will still go through challenges, they're still human. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is the that is the thing because you know, as every individual, adults or children have their own stuff. Yeah. And that's part of the challenge is uh recognizing that some of the stuff that's coming up is your stuff, not your child's. And well, that's that's a hard that's a hard conversation to have. Mm. For parents to accept and to Yeah, that's tough because you have to have some ability to go, it's not my fault. It isn't your fault. It's your conditioning as well. It's what's happened to you. And it, it, it's, a, it's a tough gig and the most important one that we do as educators and as, 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 to, as um, parents. Yeah, of course. So, well, so let's get right into our topic today. Um, let's begin then at talking a little bit about the signs that parents can look for that is showing them that perhaps kids are not dealing very well with the situation. And thank you. I, when you asked me the, you know, what sort of things we need to look for, I, I, it really made me think. And I think the first starting point is to assume that it's affecting everyone. Hmm. Because it is in some way or another. And different personalities, different children will display things in different ways but all the things we're going to talk about are things you need to do with every child regardless of whether they're showing outward symptoms or outwardly telling you that something's not right because there isn't an adult alive in the world who hasn't been affected by what's going on yeah who isn't who isn't dealing with uncertainty and it's like the goalposts are changing every day. Yeah. You know, kids have just got re get, gotten used to being at home yeah. and now we're back at school full time. <laughs> and although they might want to be there, any change, regardless of whether it's something you want or not, is, is take, there's a process in it. And so, yes, every child is being affected 
some children will show more outward signs so that it may be affecting their sleep they may become more clingy they may um, be more emotional they may um, emotional as in their frustration levels are greater some other children may just be quiet and go more inward depending on who who they are some children may decide they need to look after the parent as well and if that's the case you know that it's affecting them as well that's their nature to i need to care for everyone else yeah i can well. relate to that <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it yes there are lots of um behaviors i think it's that if there is a really distinct change in behavior then of course you need to do some more serious things to check that the child's okay but all of the things that we're going to talk about work for all children and we need to be doing them with everyone with not every just children yes yeah. yes yes and yeah. so well so this take me takes me to my next question and is what can we do what can parents okay. do parents do Yes. Okay. So I, I work on the principle of we need to feel, heal and accept. When we can't change what's going on around us, we try to find some certainty. And for children, that could be controlling their parents. Ha uh ha. -huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> or controlling as much as they can, depending on the child and how much certainty they need in their life. Other children are fine with a bit of uncertainty. But if they're highly certainty driven and parents, you know who those kids are and, and often the parents themselves are like that as well, then they will try and control everything around them. Okay. And as we know, you can't control anything except your responses to things. So well, somewhere in the face of something happening, there's this gap where we have a chance to reflect and feel and heal whatever's coming on to then respond and accept. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so, sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna ask you if we could touch on a little bit on uncertainty because perhaps many people are not aware of what is that, you know, like how does uncertainty manifest, let's say. Okay, yeah, so uncertainty, well, we know what uncertainty is. It's like, you just don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, and for children, they need, uh, because they live in a world where they know that um, to some level, depending on the age of the child, that there's big, bad, dangerous things out there. And especially at the moment, there's this big virus that could kill people. And unless you put them under a rock and not had any any media in your home and they've not heard any adults talking about it, they know that something's going on. Of course, yeah. And so that's uncertainty. And so if they are having, um, if the adults around them can't provide a level of certainty, as in the environment that they're in, the consistency in which things are being done, then that's for them, that creates more uncertainty for them. So yes. the whole idea in times of crisis and times of certainty is the home needs to be the base and the safe place, wow. the place in which we can know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And for some children, school is that place. Uh -huh. The routines, 
the consistency, the, the, the adults in that space will do what they say. Yes. And that's some children crave going to school because of that reason, also loving school and being with friends. Yeah. But for some children, that's the level of certainty. And so for parents, it's we provide a level of uncertainty when there's chaos around. Of course. Which is hard yeah. when you're feeling uncertain yourself. That is so interesting. I like obviously we think about adults, you know, and we think of, or perhaps adults know, like, oh, I don't, I'm not feeling quite sure about how things are going to work out and blah, blah, blah. But I guess that when you have kids, then that also adds another layer, you know, to that. But for kids, it's like they have nothing to, well, cling on or latch on or, and so it could be completely make them completely unstable or feel completely like in the limbo. <laughs> Absolutely. As adults, we have hindsight and reference points, except right now. Yeah. Because none of us have been through this. Mm -hmm. So we don't have any hindsight or reference points. Yeah. But we hopefully are able to draw on some other time in which we've experienced hardship yeah. and we got out the other end. Yeah. Your kids can't do that. They don't have that. And so it isn't that parents should be going, oh, everything's going to be fine and gloss over the, 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 everything that's going, going on, but the consistency of what they, the message they give and how they, the house runs and really provides that certainty for children. Yeah. And so, Kathy, what are those strategies? What can parents do, carers do? <laughs> okay. So, again, it's the consistency. So, um having trying as much as at the moment everyone's at home so the the routines have been a little bit skewed and totally totally get that it's kind of like weekend living all of the time so if you've got kids you often have a routine for the weekdays and then you have a weekend weekend routine and we're kind of like on holiday weekend mode all the time kids are getting up later and, and that's okay if there's some consistency in that. So that they're still going to bed at the same time, that roughly, they might be a little bit later or the meal times are still happening roughly around the same time. Um, that if you did something special together, you're still finding time to do special things together. So that routine and structure around the house that's, that's very centred and central really makes a big difference. I know um, with my own kids, we, with four kids, we had lots of things go on in many years, many points of crisis in our life. And, and I think my daughter came back to me when she was you know, 20 and said, you know what I remember, Mum, is that no matter what happened outside, we could come home and it was always going to be safe. Everyone, you guys were going to be there. We could be it was kind of like they walked in the door and it was like, oh, I'm home. I'm that, that sensation of being okay, no matter what happened elsewhere. Yeah. And that's the type of thing we uh, hopefully parents can, can create. Yes. So that's the structure. But also for parents, it's the letting your kids feel. So if they are feeling something, validate it. Um, it can be really easy to go, well, everyone, I know, I mean, people have been doing this. It's, be, um, it's becoming more acceptable for people to feel, which is fantastic. If we can keep that part of this, <laughs> that it's okay to feel crappy and you'll be all right and you can ask for help, then that's wonderful. 
And so it's acknowledging what your child's feeling and validating it. You know what? I know this is really tough. I know you feel sad at the moment. I know you're missing your friends, whatever it is. And then helping them heal that by feeling and letting them come up with the ways that they can solve it or they can feel better. Don't come up with solutions for them because you're responsible for it then. Let them create their own empowerment and come up with solutions. Well, if it's at them, your friends, well, how do you think you could see your friends? Make it a question and talk about it. And then they can finally become accepting of the situation. And then the next time you go through that again and again and again because the goalposts and everything's changing. Yeah. And so, Kathy, are we talking about what ages are we talking about? What, what ages are kids? Are Look, if children are pre-verbal, so under the age of three, three and a half, then it's lots more cuddles. It's okay. keeping them close. It's knowing that um, they may be more clingy, especially when they start going back. That's okay. It's a period of adjustment and they will get through that adjustment. Um, and that's really tough for parents because, you know, your heart just comes out of your chest when, you, when your children cry and want you. But you know that, you know, if they've adjusted previously, they'll adjust again and they'll be okay. Um, and that's part of sometimes um, children need to wobble a little bit to find their, to go, I'm still okay. I can feel bad and I will be okay. But if we if we go in and save it or fix it and say, no, no, I'm not going to let them go back yet. I'm going to keep them safe or I'm going to hang around more, then you're solving it. You're not letting them get through the other side of how they feel and realising somewhere within them that I'm, I'm still okay. And so from... Side. Yeah. So from what you're saying, it's like for parents and carers to to be able to walk with the kids with the children allowing them to go through their process of feeling but giving them the certainty that everything is going to be okay however letting them go through the feeling letting them go through let's say the challenge so that they learn and feel empowered yes yes thank you that's a great summary yes <laughs> cool good good so routines and helping them feel safe and, you know, just helping them feel and allow them to feel. What else can we add to that, to that list of strategies? So we have an opportunity at the moment to, to develop a, a greater emotional intelligence as well in our children because they're going to be seeing other adults around them hopefully showing emotions, not intense out-of-control emotion, but emotions. And when they see adults showing emotions in a, as I said, not in an extreme way, but just in normal life, they get to see and label those emotions. Mm -hmm. So one of the strategies I've been suggesting to parents is if you can, on the internet, there are plenty of um, templates and pictures of emotions. Okay. Yeah. I would suggest you put them, put them, print them out, put them up on the wall, talk to your child about the different emotions and then ask them, how are you feeling at the moment? And you use it as a family reference to be able to go, oh, I'm feeling like this or I'm feeling like this. The reason, the other reason to do this is feelings are not us. We're not our feelings. They're a response to something and they change. 
<laughs> yeah, but for children, it feels like this is how, this is it, this is forever. And we know that that's not that's not the case. That feelings come and go. You can wake up one way in the morning and be completely different by lunchtime, or maybe an hour later. Sure. <laughs> but by labeling feelings regularly and using feeling language within the household, this allows them to develop their own emotional intelligence and understand their own feelings. Because once we understand our own, we actually develop more empathy empathy for others. Yeah. Oh, that, that sounds so, um, how can I put it into words? But it's, it's kind of like that thing that perhaps we've been missing, I feel, you know, in, in our society in general, that allowing ourselves to label an emotion, to put a name on that, you know, and to feel it. And it's okay whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's, you know, frustration, whatever mm -hmm. it is. But then this also takes me to another question, Kathy, uh, and is. This sounds amazing, but what if a parent has never been allowed, or he was never allowed to feel, right? And now he's in the yeah. challenge of allowing their kids to feel. Absolutely, and, and that is very common, because this is a new thing for us to be doing. And often when we think about, say, so-called negative emotions, which there are no negative emotions, they're just, they're just emotions, um, then, say anger well often we associate anger with unresourceful anger that is violence and aggression where we can be angry and resourceful as well so it can empower us to to create change to understand that we have boundaries and someone's crossed them and to be assertive and saying actually no that's not what i want and that's okay so for adults and for carers of children it's imperative that we look after ourselves. This is the first step. And if you struggle with expressing emotions, then see someone. Go, speak to someone and work through that. I, I, um, we all have things from our childhood. We all have ways of being that aren't resourceful. Yeah. Welcome to the human race. <laughs> part of being a professional adult and part of being um, is, is moving away from those things that hold us back. And if you're not expressing your emotions, then that's going to hold you back, not just in your parenting, but in every other area of your life as well. Mm, of course. And so one of the things that um, I know from being a parent and also working with children in general is that they help us learn because all behaviour is communication, and when we work out what they're communi what they're communicating, it's usually something that I haven't modelled to them. I haven't shown them yet how to do that, and it makes me reflect on what I am and how I'm doing it, and try and teach it to them in a way that helps them understand it. And so, go and see someone, speak to someone, see a life coach go to counselling, see a healer, whatever it is for you, because we're all different and there are different ways to heal. And I think it's, again, first step is acknowledging I'm out of my depth and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was also going to say that perhaps for some parents, their children's behaviour, that the way that their children are 
dealing with uncertainty, it might be triggering them massively. Oh, absolutely. Yes, and they might be going like, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. They don't yes. know how to process their own thing. Yes, and that's the, that's the thing. When we're parenting in a crisis, and it, it's parenting in crisis as well, is because we're dealing with all this stuff as well. Like, you know, and you've got to put that aside and help the child. They can't sit in the corner and wait for three weeks for you to work it out. <laughs> we can't even give them to other people at the moment because, you know, because of isolation. So it, it's really, I, I, and I've been saying to this, that all the parents I've been talking to, find someone to talk to. Find someone that you can fill your cup and help you feel, heal and accept because then you can be present for your child. And that may require you to have small parts of the day in which you just have time for you. And I know that's difficult with everyone at home, but finding a space, taking turns with your partner or putting a video on for the kids and they're quiet, whatever it is, when they go to sleep, whatever it is, finding time for you to sit and really ask yourself what's going on and feel it. And that, that's the starting point. Yeah. And, and as we were chatting earlier before we started the interview, kind of like you cannot really, in terms of it would be dissonant, I don't know if this is the right word, if you are telling your kids to do something, but you're not doing it. Yeah. So, and that's the big, one of the biggest things of parent guilt is that parents go, I know I should be doing something differently, but I hear myself doing this. And if you're doing that, congratulations, because you've done the first step, you're aware. Yeah. Because that's where it starts, awareness. Yeah. The next step is deciding how you want it to do, how you want it to be different, how you want to respond. Mm -hmm. And then the next step to that is getting, visualising it, really getting clear in your mind, playing it over in your mind, so that when you come to that situation where your child is triggering, triggering you, your brain goes, I've already done this and I've done it the way that I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And this is a practice like sports people use this practice where, and I know I had to use it when uh, my eldest was two and throwing tantrums constantly and he just triggered me all the time. I needed to visualise how I was going to respond so that I could respond in that way. And it, it takes practice and time. And again, go see someone who can help you with that because there are lots of people out there who are able to help with the visualization and changing the triggers that you have. Yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful opportunity, isn't it? This one of growth in all levels for all of us, for, for families, especially, because they have, have, they have had to be all in one place, together, building all those triggers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and, and actually, one of the questions to ask ourselves as everyone starts moving out from the family home and if you were in your family home and you weren't enjoying it pretty much all of the time, so let's say I work on 80%. If 80% of the time it was great, you enjoyed each other's company and 20%, I'm not talking about homeschooling, that's another thing, but 20% of the time, you know, there were ups and downs and of course life isn't always perfect, it's not meant to be then great. But if it wasn't like that, 
then it's an opportunity now to go, okay, what were the things that weren't working and can we, how can we help them change now? We've got, we were in danger of everything going back, our hectic life and the things that we identified and were triggered while we were together still being there. Mm. And they'll always be there unless we do something about it. So it's like magnifying all, all the issues. Like people were saying to me, oh, my kids aren't getting along. And we go, yeah, probably. Were they getting along before? Well, no, they weren't. It's just magnified. Yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, my kids didn't sleep. Well, did they sleep before? No, it's magnified because you're, you're together so much. Um, my kids don't do as I ask them to do. Well, was that a thing before? Yeah, it was. But it's worse now because you're not getting a break from it. So those triggers have just been magnified for us to go, oh, we need to do something about that yeah. because we'll get busy again and they'll still be there. Yes. So this is the opportunity to resolve all of that. And mm -hmm. I mean, the, the impact that resolving that is going to have in the future for the whole family is going to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's um, parenting during a crisis just creates so many opportunities for us to see things in magnification. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I, find it, I find this topic fascinating. I mean, all, everything that has to do with how we behave and how we react and what's going on because it's it's so um it can be so in front of our eyes and yet we can feel so distant from that at the same time or or afraid perhaps of going into those things and resolving them uh but definitely a moment like this one like it's something that we are all experiencing mm -hmm. it's such a big and, and, and if i can add one last thing on that is that for a lot of parents there's this belief that my kid's not sleeping, my kid's answering back or whatever they're doing, I just have to wait for them to grow out of it. <laughs> and because that's normal behaviour. And you know what? Yes, it is normal. And as parents, it's our job to help them grow out of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everyone forgets the end. Yes, it's normal for kids to play up and do stuff. They do it. They do weird things all the time. And you go, what was that? And... It's an opportunity for us to go, okay, they need to learn something. We need to adjust something because they're telling us something. Yes, yes. What a beautiful relationship. I mean, I don't have kids yet, <laughs> but I, I, you know, from having these conversations with you and from seeing some of your videos and, and all of this, I've learned how basically the, the child becomes the mirror, you know, and you become that, and you, if you are willing to, to grow you can mm. take advantage of that and help your kid grow and grow yourself as well that's it's the scariest thing it's really scary um it, it sometimes it seems like kids only reflect your bad you go hang on a minute i know i'm great in so many areas and yet you only give me that what is going on <laughs> We're wired to notice, you know, challenge, which yeah. is good because it allows us to change it as well. Yeah. And so one, one last question, Kathy, before we finish. Most parents could also be wondering if the effects that this uh, uncertain time 
is having in the kids is going to be lasting. Mm. What do you recommend? What do you think about that? Absolutely. Definitely, it's going to be lasting. Mm. And the opportunity as a parent is that it's lasting to make them stronger. Yes, this is going to affect children. You think about all the major things that have happened in the world, major events, you know, the depression, the world wars, <clears throat> the Spanish flu, whatever they were, it changed our culture and it changed people individually. If you've ever met someone who's gone through terrible traumatic things, and I don't want anyone to go through those things, but the result of it often is that they're stronger. Yeah. Because through adversity, if we're helped and supported and validated, we actually learn, I have this inner strength within me. Yeah. And therefore, I can do other things. Amazing. I did that. I was flexible. I learned to get along with other people. I helped my parents cook, whatever it was. Now it's an opportunity for us to help, They've, they can see that they can be stronger. It's a reference point for them for the rest of their lives to know we got through that and we were okay. Yeah. I, I love how you just described that because I think of, of myself and when I was younger mm -hmm. and all the, the difficult things that we, we had to go through. And, and I think of, I'm, I'm looking at those things from what I have learned now, from what I know now, and how perhaps it could have been more resourceful back then. Obviously, I learned what I needed to learn and I, you know, I am here because of that. Uh, but when, what you just said made me think of how beautiful it would be if we learn to go through challenge in a resourceful way. Mm -hmm. And see that, see the challenge or the difficult time, the crisis, as that massive opportunity of using many different tools or of putting those tools to a test. And, and our willingness to grow and to change. Mm, absolutely. I, we, the, so yes, every child is going to be changed. And thank you that I agree that this reference point is so important for our children. And, but I will say to parents that if your child suffers from a pre-existing condition, if they are on the autism spectrum or they have suffer from anxiety or depression or any of the range of, of um, illnesses that affect everyone, then they will be magnified as well. So there will be a period of adjustment. There will be a period of time in which you will need to treat carefully with them and help them back. Um, so I think as parents, it's, it's knowing that we have hiccups in life. You know, the road isn't smooth all of the way. We have bumps along the way and the, it's hoped that we return quicker after each bump, mm -hmm. that we don't, the bumps don't keep going, that we, there's a bump and then we're back down and we're okay and there might be another bump and that's okay and the bumps get shorter and shorter and smaller and smaller. This is a big bump. Mm -hmm. And the aim is to get them back to some normality again before another bump will come, which it will. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, that's why um, the, the fact that it's so uncertain when another bump is going to come is what motivated me to create this summit because how cool it, would it be if we have a, that toolkit where we can go like, oh, hold on, I have this here, I can use this now and go yes. through this bump in a more resourceful way. Yeah, 
And, and that starts with asking for help. Mm. You, you're going to have so many people over this summer that can help people. And it starts with that. It starts in that I need help and it's okay for me to ask. I know I've spoken to other, other coaches at this time because I've needed help. You, you can't coach yourself. You can't, you've got to go speak with other people. It's, um, you, you're too close to everything. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's all in your own head. And when you go talk to someone who is reliable, because sometimes your friends and family aren't, um, then you get to get a different perspective. You get to step out of what's going on and pass it to someone else. And they can carry it for a little while and mould it a little differently for you and then give it back to you, hopefully a little bit easier. Um, and that starts with going, there's something I need to do about this. And I can, and, and it can change. Yes, beautiful. Thank you, Kathy. I love those, those last words. <laughs> so I think we've come to the end of our interview. I mean, I know that you and I could keep talking for... <laughs> Forever. <laughs> yes. But we're going to keep it shorter today. So thank you, Kathy. Really appreciate all your, you, you know, your expertise. When you talk, you can tell that you've done this work for a while. And, and it's so valuable, everything that you're sharing. And I'm sure many parents are going to go like, oh, thank you. You know, I think they also need some validation that they're going through a challenging time. So, yes. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Kathy. Just before we go, um, where can people find you if they want to? Yes, I think you're going to provide the links. So my, um, they can come to Happy Parenting, which is the Happy Parenting Community, which is a page that we've got. And I've been putting together some resources through there, which is, which is fantastic. And I've actually, from talking to people, been putting together a book called, an e-book called The uh, Parenting in Crisis parenting during a crisis, parenting in crisis, and it's, it's in production. <laughs> so that's, that's coming. It's been such a whirlwind to get that together and to be able to support people and, and hopefully have a, a tool that they can pull out and know that they've got, Amazing. you know, all the tips and tricks. So, um, yeah, that'll be, I'll, I'll be getting onto that. Fantastic. So happy parenting on Facebook. Is that right? Yes. Happy parenting. Happy parenting. Fantastic. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Cassie. Uh, really, really appreciate uh, you being here. And I also want to thank all the people who joined us for this interview. We hope you learned lots and that you can, if you don't have kids, that you can also share this information with your friends or family who have kids. It's very, very important and key in moments like this. So thank you once again for joining us. Thank you, Cathy. And See you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed and learned immensely from today's speaker. If you would like, you can also download the speaker's giveaway from the description of this episode. You just need to click on the link provided there. Also, if you're enjoying the content of this podcast, I would love to invite you to leave us a review on any of the platforms that you are listening from. You can also reach me at laura, L-A-U-R-A, at theloveapproachproject.com and send me an email with any of your comments. I would love to hear from you. And so this is it. I will catch you next week. 
Thanks for joining us here once again. Bye-bye.